Um, and, and I guess I, that's a great segue to get into the message uh, this morning because we are closing out our series fulfilled. Uh, but next week we're beginning a new series, and that new series is going to be called God of the Underdogs. And uh, it's going to be an amazing series. We're so excited about uh, this, this series because um, have you ever felt like an underdog? Let me just ask that question. I mean, I know I have at times. You feel like an underdog. You know, we're in a sports season, and, uh, you know, sometimes our, our, our teams, our favorite teams can be underdogs, but it's always like, you know, you, you kind of want to root for the underdog, especially if you don't have any skin in the game. You know, when you're watching uh, other football games and you're not really – uh, a fan of either team, you, you tend to go more for the underdog, don't you? I mean, it's just, it's, we're drawn to that. And so, um, you know, it, it, it's, 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 do you realize that the Bible is full of underdogs? And so we're going to be going through stories of those that are underdogs in the Bible, uh, just ordinary people uh, that, that the world considered underdogs, yet God chose them to do something extraordinary. So you don't want to miss that series. And along with the series, we are going to have uh, uh, community groups launched with that uh, that'll be based on that sermon series so next week when you come you'll have an opportunity to sign up for those groups uh, we're strategically placing those groups all around town so there'll be a Mandeville group there'll be a Covington group a Madisonville group so you just go wherever you're closest to and uh, so you'll be able to sign up for those groups next week and then start next week all right so uh, it's going to be a really really awesome time those groups are going to last five weeks and then that'll be holiday season, then you can enjoy your holidays, and then we'll kick off community groups again in 2020. So uh, I'm excited about it. Hopefully you're excited about it. And so we're looking forward to God of the underdogs. All right? All right. Well, today we're finishing up our series, Fulfilled. We've been in this series for the last uh, month, and uh, it's been a really, really great series. It's been one of those series that really, um, you know, a lot of times you find yourself preaching messages that you're preaching to yourself. Sometimes you feel like, man, it's more for me than it is for you. And this has been one of those uh, types of series for me personally is just, you know, um, uh, just, just God has really been speaking to me specifically throughout this, but hopefully you've been blessed throughout the time as well. But in this series, we've been asking the question, are you fulfilled? Are you fulfilled? I think it's a question that we should all wrestle with ourselves from time to time because sometimes what happens in life is that we get so into a routine of things that we end up just being that, that hamster on the wheel where we're moving, we're doing stuff, but then we're not really making any progress. It's like we hop off the wheel and notice that we haven't really gone anywhere. It's just the way life happens to be sometimes. And I think it, there, there, there's moments in our life like this series has been a moment for you to possibly get off that hamster wheel of your life and to really ask yourself, man, is my life fulfilling? Because you see, our lives are full. They're more full today than they've ever been, full of stuff, right? I mean, you, you, it's like, it doesn't matter what day of the week it is now. I mean, there is no day where you just get to relax, right? I mean, like, you, 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 you might work five days a week, but you really work in seven because the two days that you're not at your job, you're working at the house, you're cleaning the house, you're doing laundry, you're taking your kids to this ball game, that ball game, to this birthday party, that birthday party. Man, I have never had so many birthday party invites in my life. I mean, it's like, it's just, it's just there's always something going on. And sometimes you just, you, you have so much stuff, you can't even fit it all in. 
You're having to tell people no. That's how full our lives are today. But as full as our lives are, is as empty as our spirits are. Because when we live full lives, when we allow the, 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 the just busyness of life to take over, is when we lose that fulfilling feeling inside. And that's because our spirits are empty. We're just doing a lot of stuff, but there's no purpose in that stuff. We just keep going and going and going. But in John 10.10, Jesus said this. He said, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. And throughout this series, we've been talking about what some of those thieves are that are trying to steal your spiritual fulfillment, trying to steal that, 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 that sense of purpose because it's there to, to, to distract you, to, to just fill up your time with just a lot of stuff. Last week, I won't go through what we've been through every week, but last week we asked the question, but did you die? But did you die? And in Luke 9, 23, it says, Jesus said to the crowd, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way. Take up your cross daily and follow me. And so we talked about that last week. Today, as we finish this series out, I want to talk to you about the power of obedience. The power of obedience. Now, don't check out on me because I know what some of y'all are thinking. Man, if this is about discipline and all this, like that, I didn't sign up for that today. I want like the feel-good stuff. You're going to feel good, trust me. Because, look, I didn't just say obedience. I said power of obedience. Man, like to think about this word obedience, it kind of has like this, you know, I mean, because when, you, at least for me, when I think of obedience, I think about my children, Anybody think about your children when you hear this word obedience? Yeah, that's right. You put the dis on the front of it. You know, I'm trying to teach my kids that, like, do you love me? Like, like I ask them all the time, do you love me? Yeah. Well, then why don't you obey me? Like, you see what I'm saying? Like, but you deal with this obedience issue a lot. They don't understand that there's power that comes with obedience. You realize that you're more likely to do things for them when they're obedient? Like, they don't, that, that has not clicked in their head yet. They, they, they just expect, I'm going to act however I want, whenever I want, however I want, and then I'm still going to get everything. You know, it's like, we're trying, you know, no, no. Like, my children have this thing where, like, if every time we go into Target, they think that that's just an automatic toy. I mean, like, that's an automatic, that, like, like, we're going to spend $15 today, Dad, because we're going into Target. And that $15 is on me. And then I asked Gavin, I'm like, Gavin, what have you done? Like, what have you done to deserve this? Absolutely nothing. Now, I love you, but I'm not just buying you something for the... Like, like he thinks what he has done has walked through the threshold of Target. Like, that is good enough to get a gift, to get a toy, to get whatever. I mean, it's like, man. And then they'll get in there, and, and, and this is the classic. Because... You know, our kids are a lot smarter than what we give them credit for. I'm just saying. And master manipulators, okay? Gavin will, will throw this line to me. Dad, I just want to look. You ever get that from your kids? Dad, I just want to look. Just let me look at the toys. I'm not going to buy anything. Just let me look. Fifteen minutes later, he is throwing the biggest temper tantrum I have ever seen because he has fixated himself on one thing. And it always happens to be the thing that is like 60 bucks. Like, like, come on, son. Like, 
Like, I'll get you the dollar Lego figurine in the checkout aisle, but I'm not getting you the $65 Lego set. You see what I'm saying? But, like, that's not good enough. It's never good enough, you know? But they don't understand that there's power that comes with obedience. Like, if he's obedient, maybe I would spend the $65 from time to time. You see what I'm saying? But there's power with obedience. And I'm going to share a lot of Scripture today, so I'm going to let it do most of the talking. You all all right with that? And I feel offended now. You see what I'm saying? Like, no, I'm just kidding. In John chapter 14, verses 15 through 21, this is what it says. It says, if you love me, keep my commandments. And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper. You see, I love this because what he's doing is he's attaching obedience to power. You see what he's doing? He's saying, if you love me, you'll obey me. And guess what? If this happens, my Father's going to send you another helper. That being the Holy Spirit. What's the Holy Spirit? He's full of power. That's the reason he even came. He sent the Holy Spirit to give us power. Man, is somebody with me this morning? That he may abide with you forever. Verse 17, the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him. For he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you a little while longer and the world will see me no more, but you will see me. Because I live, you will live also. And that day you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. Verse 21. He who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest. Somebody say manifest myself to him man that is powerful do you realize that when you love jesus you will obey jesus and the promise he gives is that he will manifest himself in you so there's power in obedience jesus goes on in john 15 where he's talking about him being the vine and us being the branch and he talks about this in verse 9 of chapter 15 i have loved you even as the father has loved me remain in my love when you obey my commandments you remain in my love just as i obey my father's commandments and remain in his love i have told you these things so that you will be filled somebody say filled with my joy yes your joy will overflow this is my commandment love each other in the same way that i have loved you so it starts with love right it starts with love and where does love begin it begins with god because god is love god loved us before we even loved him he loved us before we even recognized him he loved us before we were even created he loves you. And so when we come into an, an, an encounter with that love, that's when we begin to know what genuine love is. You see, because until you have an encounter with Jesus, I don't believe you know what genuine love is. You know what the world's idea of love is, which that is perverted, it's misconstrued, it's not real, it's not genuine, it's not authentic. But when you come into an encounter with Jesus, because if He's going to tell me He's love, well then you try to argue with me to tell me that you know what love is without knowing Him. And so we have to have an encounter with Him 
experience his love, then we have love that reciprocates back towards him, which then gives us the opportunity to obey him, which then leads into Jesus manifesting himself in us, which produces power. So let's take a look at these things. The first one is love. In Romans 5, 8, it says, But God showed His great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. Man. 1 John 4, 9-10, God showed how much He loved us by sending His one and only Son into the world so that we might have eternal life through Him. This is real love. Not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. It says that we love. We love. Another translation says this in 1 John 4.19. We love because He first loved us. Can I ask you a question? And I, I, Look. This is the thing. I might be married to our worship leader, but she does not get privy to information into the message. So like as far as the songs go, I mean, I just allow the Holy Spirit to, to dictate what that is and trust that it's going to line up with my message. Can I tell you the song where it talks about sitting at the feet? It, 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 this is a question that I asked in my message. It's in my notes. When was the last time you just took a moment and let Jesus love you? When was the last time you took a moment just to sit at His feet and allow Him to love you? You see, because in this world that we live in today, these full lives that we live, it doesn't allow us the opportunities to just be still. But God in His Word says, be still and know that I am God. The only way that we're going to really know Him, and the only re way that we're really going to have an encounter and experience His love is for us to take a, 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 a remote to our lives and hit the pause button a little bit and just sit at His feet. That's why moments like Tuesday nights when we have prayer are so powerful because it is a break from the norm to just come and sit at His feet. You see, because prayer isn't just you having a one-way conversation. It's an opportunity for you to just sit at His feet and to be able to communicate with Him. But the glorious thing about prayer is, is that He wants to communicate to you. He wants to speak to you. You know, sometimes I think we've got this false idea that God only wants to speak to the people that are on the platform. God only wants to speak to, the, to, 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 to a prophet. They only want to speak to this person or to that person. Let me tell you, you are created to hear God. You were created because God loves you, wants to have a relationship with you. And the last time I checked, it takes two to have a relationship. It's not just a one-way street. And He wants to speak to you. He wants to speak secrets into your life. He wants to speak to you to uncover things that He's put there from the beginning of time. He wants to speak dreams. He wants to speak purpose. He wants to speak destiny into your life. But when was the last time that you were just at His feet and being still so that you could know Him. Because we won't get very far until we do this. In fact, what I'm going to talk about for the rest of the message, if you don't do this one thing and just pause and be still and know Him, you can forget about the rest of the message. 
Because the second thing is obedience. If we're not going to be still enough to know Him and to encounter His love, then we don't have what it takes to obey Him. Because we have to have a love for Him to obey Him. And we can't have a love for Him until we're still enough to experience who He is. In 1 John chapter 2, verses 3-6, through 6, it says this, And we can be sure that we know Him if we obey His commandments. If someone claims, I know God, but doesn't obey God's commandments, that person is a liar and is not living in the truth. Don't take this up with me. Take that up with God and, and John. Because this is not my words. I just said, I'm going to let the Bible preach this morning. Verse 5, But those who obey God's words truly show how completely they love Him. That is how we know we are living in Him. Those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. Now, let me just say this. Because I think a lot of people when they read this or maybe hear this today, maybe you're hearing this, and I, I, I feel like maybe you're not hearing this verse correctly. Okay, because some might read or hear this and look at their lives and say, well, I'm not keeping some of the commandments. I'm not doing certain things. That means I, I, I must not really have a relationship with God. It, it must mean that I'm the liar that's mentioned in verse 4. It, 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 like knowing Him, our relationship with God seems conditional on keeping His commandments. So if, it's, if, if that's not happening, you must be wrong about even the existence of the relationship. Like, like that's, I, I feel like, what some of us can think when we hear this or read this. But what if the passage was read the other way around? What if it was read where it's keeping His commandments is conditional on knowing Him? You following? Are you following? I need to know you're awake this morning. What, what if keeping His commandments is conditional on knowing Him instead of the other way around? Because when we read this Scripture, we think that it's, 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 it, it, knowing Him is conditional on us obeying commands. See what I'm saying? In other words, when you know Him, you obey. You actually want to obey because you enjoy the closeness that comes with walking with Him. It is the growing relationship that drives the obedience. When that relationship is rooted deeply in our hearts, keeping His commandments is the natural outflow. See, sometimes we get so concerned with the commandments instead of knowing Him. See, that's what religion does. Religion wants to get you fixated on the commands without the relationship. But Jesus is saying, get the relationship right, then you'll obey just because it's a natural outflow. What if we heard this passage in 1 John as an invitation to a deeper relationship rather than condemnation that it must not exist? You see, the enemy loves to keep us chasing our tails, wondering if we could truly be a Christian and still struggle with sin. Because he knows his ability to manipulate and deceive you is finished as soon as you take your focus off your ability and fix your eyes on the relationship God says already exists. You see, because, look, I'm not here to say that just because you love Jesus means that you're going to live a perfect life. I mean, if we're going to think that, then we might as well ha just be naive and be ignorant. But that's not the case. You see, 
there's struggle that still exists in our life. You see, this thing called a relationship with Jesus, it's not like we just say yes to Jesus and then boom, we have a perfect relationship with Him. I mean, it's not like you married your spouse and you never had another argument before. I mean, like, come on. I mean, it, it's, it, it happens, right? I mean, just because I fell in love with Christina and, our, and, and, and we walked the aisle down and we said I do to each other, that that means she hasn't been disappointed in me. Doesn't mean I haven't been disappointed in her. Doesn't mean that she hasn't been wrong towards me and I haven't been wrong towards her. It doesn't mean that we've been without arguments. But does that mean I don't have a relationship with her? Absolutely not. In fact, our relationship continues to grow. Our love for each other grows by the day. Some days, Poco. Some days, big time. But the fact of the matter is, is that when we're in relationship, it's always a growing thing. You see, knowing God leads to obeying God. Listen to this. The more we know God, the more God gives us the desire to obey Him. The more we know God, the more God gives us the desire to obey Him. This is what Paul said in Philippians chapter 2. Beginning in verse 12, Dear friends, you always followed my instructions when I was with you, and now that I am away, it is even more important. Work hard to show the results of your salvation, obeying God with deep reverence and fear. Other translations say fear and trembling. For God, verse 13, for God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases Him. You see, when we're in relationship with God, part of the perk, part of the benefit is, is that He's continually working on the inside of you. And see, this isn't, about, this isn't a message about obeying so that you become righteous because we are righteousness because of Christ. You see, Christ said, I have not come to abolish the law, I came to fulfill the law. You know what that means? That means when we say yes to Jesus, Jesus steps in front of us. So that when God looks at you, He does not see you anymore, but He sees Christ in you. He sees righteousness in you. He sees holiness in you. But what the devil wants you to know is he wants to constantly bombard you with, oh, no, 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 he doesn't see Jesus. He still sees your filth. He still sees the sin. He still sees it when you mess up. And when you mess up, he doesn't want anything to do with you. When you sin, he doesn't want anything to do with you. And that's hogwash. It's nonsense. Because knowing him is a process. It's a relationship. So how do we know Him? How do we know Him? What are the steps to knowing Him? The first one is this. We have to immerse ourselves in His Word. Notice I didn't say we just, we just skim over His Word. We have to immerse. That means we got to go all in. That means we got to dive in. we got to not just put our toe in the shallow end of the Word of God. We need to just jump into the deep end. We have to immerse ourselves in the Word of God because it's this thing right here that gives us the way, that gives us the truth, that gives us the life. It's living and it's active. It's all right here. You got a problem in life? Immerse yourself and find the answer. 2 Timothy 
Timothy 3, 16, 17, all scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong, teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. Hebrews 4.12, for the word of God is alive and powerful, is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. When you immerse yourself in the word of God, guess what it does? It begins to transform you from the inside out. It gets you further in the process of knowing him because he's the one that wrote it it's his love letter to you and i it's 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 this that we have to dive into listen to me i believe god speaks in all different ways god can speak in signs god can speak through others towards you god can speak in a voice i've never heard it audible the way that god speaks to me most of the time is like Y'all, y'all might think I'm crazy, but like I hear like voices in my head. Anybody else? Now, 100% of the time, I know when Matt Donnelly is speaking inside of his head. Because most of the time, it's a little questionable. And then 100% of the time, I know exactly when it's God because I'm like, there's no way that I just thought that. But now, listen to me. But do you want to know the number one way that God speaks? Through His Word. Sometimes we we want the encounter with God speaking audible to us when He's saying, just get in my Word. Whenever we got a a, a special guest that comes in and moves in the prophetic, we want to go there because we're hoping that that dude has a word for us. Some of the men that I respect, men and women that that move in that gifting, that I respect the most, you know what they say? Why are you looking at me for the word? Get in your word. Because what I speak should confirm what you're already hearing. You see, when we're out searching for words in other places through other men and women, we're putting our focus on them and not on Him. He doesn't want us to know them. He wants us to know Him. But guess what? Here's the second thing. It's not enough just to immerse yourself in the Word of God. You actually have to believe the Word of God as well. Because we can get in this, and you can read the story, you can read what's on the paper, but until you believe it, it, it just remains words on a piece of paper. It's when you believe it that it becomes alive. Romans 10, 16 and 17, But not all the Israelites accepted the good news, for Isaiah said, Lord, who has believed our message? Consequently, faith comes from hearing the message. And the message is heard through the Word about Christ. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. You have to immerse and believe and faith comes. You need faith for that situation you're going through in life. You need faith for that, 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 that trial that you're in, that tribulation that you're in. Immerse and believe the Word of God and then faith comes. Now let me say this before we move on because I think we need to understand and implement something. And that's something called biblical authority. What is biblical authority? It's a view that affirms the Bible's divine inspiration, total truthfulness and authority in our lives. 
And any discussion of biblical authority must begin with God Himself, for all authority is located in God. God has made Himself known in the Scriptures. God declares His authority in His revelation, His inspired Word, and God alone is the ultimate source of authority. Thus, the Spirit of God has inspired the writings of the prophets and apostles, and the Scripture became the recognized authority to communicate God's truth, which is to be taught, believed, and obeyed. The Bible is truly the book of God's truth. Because it is completely truthful, it must be wholly trustworthy in its affirmations. Because it is truthful and trustworthy, it is our final authority in all things that pertain to life. Let me just break that down just a little bit. Basically, it's saying that what the Word of God says is truth. It is all truth. Everything from the front cover to the maps in the back, it is all truth. It's to all be believed. And it is to be something that we look towards to give us a pattern on how we are to live our lives. But see, in our world today, our society, our culture, biblical authority has been thrown out the window. Everything has become normal now. There's an, it's, it's, it's just amazing to me the way that our culture just talks about things as if like, well, you know what? If you believe it, it must be true. I mean, this is what we talk like today. Because we have thrown out the Bible as our ultimate authority. There is no biblical authority in America anymore. None. There's no moral compass in America today. It's gone. It's just do whatever you want to do, however you want to do it, whenever you want to do it, because if it makes you feel good, it must be right. And if you believe it, it must be right. I don't care if you disagree with it. It's, it's the fact that I believe it's true. We have become our own authority. And my goodness, when we become our own authority, you better watch out because all hell is about to break loose. I put this quote on Facebook this week, and I'm reading this book called uh, God is Good by Bill Johnson. And he wrote this. He said, we must not try to make the Scripture say what we believe, but we must adjust what we believe according to the mandate given in Scripture. You see, that's what we try to do today. Because do you realize, let's think about this for a minute. If you're in this room today and you believe in, in, in God, okay, then you obviously believe that He created you. Is this true? You can't say you believe in God and say, I don't believe He created me. If you believe in God, you believe He created you. Scripture tells us that God created us in His image. Is that true? Okay, so if we're created, then we have to have this thing called instinct. Correct? Have you, you know, one of the things that I think is amazing is whenever uh, tragedy strikes... Or something that happens. Into a lot of people, what are the, what's the first thing that comes out of their mouth? Oh God. Right? Think about it. When you see something that's just horrific, you just automatically, it's just, oh God. Why? Because it's instinct. Because you were spoken into existence. God spoke you into existence. God created you. And therefore, you have an instinct on the inside of you. So that when you see something like that, the first reaction is an instinct. Oh God. Because you're crying out to the Creator. If we're that way, 
then something deep down inside of every single person that has breath, there's a longing that's there. Some people call it a God-sized hole in their heart. Right? And nothing can fill that except for God Himself. But see, what's happened in our culture and the way that we're being raised up, because trust me, we can try to raise our kids all day long. But the world will raise your kids if you don't do it for them. And I'm going to tell you something. Like, if we don't start implementing biblical authority in our homes, then we're going to see all hell break loose. You're going to see things happen that you wish would never happen. And it's just, it, it's just the fact of the matter. And the thing about it is that we have to realize is that, listen, when we don't acknowledge who God is, then we become our own authority. But you can never escape the fact that you're created by God. So that longing that's there, it's never fulfilled until we come to Him and say yes to Him and accept Him and take His biblical authority into our lives. But we got too many people that want to take Scripture out of context. We got too many people that want to marry two Scriptures that really don't have anything to do with each other to make it okay to believe the way that they believe. Look, I'm not here... Hey, hey, look, this isn't about what Matt Donnelly thinks is right and wrong. It's what the Word of God says is right or wrong. And you know what? If somebody's going to come to me and tell me, hey, look, what do you think about this? My response is going to be, go immerse yourself in the Word of God, see what it says, and then come back and we'll have a discussion. Because you're not going to turn it on me and say, well, you know what? That's what you believe. No, it's not what I believe. It's what the Word of God believes. And because I know God and I have a relationship with God, He's become the authority in my life. So it doesn't matter what I think. It doesn't matter what I believe. Because when we come to know who Jesus is, listen, this is another thing that the church has made an an error on, is that we only want Jesus as Savior, but we don't want Him as Lord. But He says to confess me as, as your Lord and Savior. You see, Savior is getting you out of the place of, of, of the pit of hell by saying yes to Him and having your sins forgiven so that you can have access. But when He says, Lord, that means that we die to ourselves on a daily basis. We take up our cross. We say, it's not about me anymore. It's all about Him. So, we love Him. We become obedient. And the third thing is, is that Jesus manifests Himself. Go back to John 14, 21. He who has my commandments and keeps them. It is He who loves me. And He who loves me will be loved by my Father. And I will love Him and manifest myself to Him. Can I just show you a quick example as the keys come up to explain to you what this all looks like. We can go to the book of Acts and we can see this whole thing happen. Okay? Now let me show you. I'm tired of standing behind that thing. Acts chapter 1, verse 4. says, Once when he was eating with them, that being Jesus, he commanded them, Do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised you, as I told you before. John baptized with water, but in just a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. 
So here's what Jesus did. He's meeting with his disciples. This is post-resurrection. So he's already gone to the cross. He's died. He was in the grave for three days. He's broken out of the grave because he defeated death, hell, and the grave. Jesus is alive. He goes to his disciples who have been with him for three and a half years of their life. They know him. They love him. They're excited to see that he's alive. Okay? So they are in relationship with him. And he tells them, do not leave Jerusalem. So for you in your personal life, just take out, do not leave leave Jerusalem and throw out every command that he has given. Okay? So, if you go down further into Acts chapter 1, verses 12 through 14, then the apostles returned to Jerusalem from the Mount of Olives, a distance of a half mile. Can I just say this? You know what I think is crazy is that they went back to Jerusalem. I mean, like, let's think about this for a minute. I mean, Jesus just got crucified. Jerusalem was the hotbed for persecution of the way. And you know what he told him? He told him, you go back to the place where they just convicted me and sent me to my death. And I want you to stay there until the Holy Spirit comes. Are you kidding me? You see, this is where knowing him comes into play. Because if you don't know him, if you don't really know him, when he tells you to do something that is so off the wall, you're just going to tell him, no, thank you, sorry, walk away. And then you miss out on him manifesting himself in you. You miss out on the power that he desires to pour out onto you. Verse 13, when they arrived, they went to the upstairs room of the house where they were staying. Here are the names of those who were present. Peter, John, James, Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James, Simon, and Judas, son of James. They all met together and were constantly united in prayer along with Mary, the mother of Jesus, several other women, and the brothers of Jesus. They knew him. He gave a commandment to say, do not leave Jerusalem. They went back to Jerusalem. They stayed in that upper room. They prayed. They worshiped. They, 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 they united themselves together. And they did exactly what Jesus told them to do. Just remember, the more we know him, the more he gives us the desire to obey him. They knew him. He gave them the desire to obey him to stay in Jerusalem and wait. Then look at what it says in Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 6. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Now this was like seven weeks after the resurrection. Do y'all realize that? Like, I mean, we're talking like time has passed. The only word that they had was, is do not leave Jerusalem. And they held tight to that word. They immersed themselves in it. They believed it. Because they knew Him. And on this day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. And suddenly, come on, somebody say suddenly. Suddenly. Can I tell you that when we're on this life and path and relationship with Jesus, there are going to be times and periods where it seems like he's not speaking anybody been there before where it feels like he's not really there where you're in a seven week time period some of y'all might be like seven weeks try seven months 
Then others of you are saying, seven months, how about you try seven years? But they stayed. And then suddenly, suddenly, I love that word because it gives us that understanding that God can move like that. Suddenly tells me that their situation changed from being nothing to extraordinary like that. Do you realize that something that you've been looking forward to for seven years can happen in a suddenly? You might be walking through something right now and you have just a mustard seed of hope. Can I tell you, suddenly that mustard seed can turn into the full tree. Suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. At that time, there were devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem. And when they heard the loud noise, everyone came running and they were bewildered to hear their own languages being spoken by the believers. Here's what I'm trying to get you to understand. When we know Him, we love Him. When we love Him, we obey Him. When we obey Him, Jesus manifests Himself in us. But, 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 but it just goes, it, it just keeps going because this is how good Jesus is. It's that it's not just about you. It's about people around you. Think about it. Jesus not only manifested himself inside of them through the Holy Spirit, but he manifested on the outside of them as well with the tongues of fire hanging over their heads. I don't know about you, but that's a pretty cool picture. I think I'll rent that one when I get to heaven and check that out on the theater screen because I want to see what that looks like. But it even goes further than that. Then it says that Jews all over Jerusalem that were probably locked in their very homes because they were scared to death. As soon as they heard the sound of their own language, they came running. They said, well, forget this. Like, I got to see what this is because Jesus is here. Listen, listen, those people never experienced that moment if there wasn't people that obeyed Jesus in that upper room to stay in Jerusalem. So I want to ask you, who are the people that are around your life right now that need to see you being obedient to Him, that needs to see you knowing Him and loving Him so that when you obey, they start to see Christ in you. And when they see the Christ in you, they say, man, i got to get to them. i got to figure out what this is. i got to see it. They run to you because it's so evident. And that's the life we're called to live. That's what it means to live life and life to the full. It has nothing to do with having material possessions. It has everything to do by being a walking, living, active, breathing woman, man of God with the Spirit of God living inside of you. The same Spirit that raised Him from the dead lives inside of you. Do you understand what that means? That means that you have authority. You have power. You have confidence that you can walk in where you can go and go into any place and you step foot with boldness with the Word of God, with the Spirit of God, where atmospheres change, where lives change. I'm telling you right now, I'm so, 
so tired of living a life that I go around just having normal, everyday experiences. I don't want to live an ordinary life anymore. I want to live an extraordinary life. Not for me, but for Him. Because I need to start seeing Him glorified in my everyday life. I need to see Him showing up in the community that I step into every single day. Because there's people out there that are dying. They're going to hell. They're not knowing the truth because we aren't being obedient. But I'm here to tell you today that when you know Him, you begin to love Him. When you love Him, you begin to obey Him, no matter how crazy it sounds. And when you become obedient, He manifests Himself in you and through you, and it will create change around you. Peter stood forward. Peter stood forward with this manifesting power inside of him and he began to boldly declare the word of God. And it says at the end of that time that there were 3,000 people that came and said yes to Jesus. 3,000. Why? Because they were drawn to the power of God. And it goes further than that. Because in Scripture, several times after that, it said that people were added daily. Daily. It's the fastest growing movement that has ever happened in history. And it's continuing to grow today. It's unfortunate, I think, at times that we don't know more about the movements that are going on. Man, there's moves of God going in all over this world right now. I mean, China is being lit on fire. Iraq is being lit on fire. Africa is being lit on fire. And, 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 and it's because people are getting hungry. Because they're seeing people that are having the power of Christ manifest themselves inside of them. Man, we need to be lit on fire. And go be the hope that this community needs. Would you stand with me all over this place today?